Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. My name is Rachel. I'm here with my husband, Zach, and we really do believe that God has given you a purpose to win your world. And we're so excited to have you with us today. So as you listen, if there's something that encourages you or challenges you, we encourage, we want you to share it. Send it to a friend. You can find it on all uh, platforms and you can just hit the like and share button so that you can be alerted the next time our podcast comes out. That's right. We are so glad uh, that you're with us. And uh, we are actually going to today do the second half of the 10 things that happen when you pray. And so two weeks ago, we talked about that on the podcast and, and it really impacted a lot of people. So if you haven't watched that yet, take a second and go back and watch that one. Really going to set this one up well. But the, these next two podcasts, I really do believe are going to be really impactful as we, again, lay out some of the things that happen when we pray. And then next week, uh, doing some practice. I'm really, really excited about that. But before we get into that, um, it's halftime for the year. A little bit past halftime now, a little bit past halftime. Uh, but we just want to take a little bit. And uh, babe, you, you, didn't, you didn't play a lot of sports growing up, did you? Played no sports. You never played any, even when you were younger, like even younger? Zero sports. Did you ever try any? And then well, let me tell out. you something. When there was an opportunity to play something, I would give it the old college try. Uh huh. But when the opportunity came for the next, like you know, you're in the cul-de-sac plan, and they're like, "Hey, who wants to play?" I was not invited back. You never you. So you got so to play once. I get to watch people play. I'm not gifted in that arena. I remember whenever Rachel was you know, like joining our family. And we, at that season, we were playing a lot of uh, volleyball, like beach volleyball. And we have a problem with competitiveness uh, in our family, specifically me, Mike, and my mom. Uh, Faith and Faith and dad are, are fine. But um, we would, Rachel would play, and then she would say something that didn't make any sense to us whenever she would miss the ball or whatever, and I can see mom uh, and Micah doing my best or their best not to yell at her. And she would just say, I'm, I'm just glad I get to play. And uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't sit well, but you made it through. That's the truth. I'm just glad. I'm just glad I get to show up. I'm so glad I get to be there. That's so amazing. So if you did play sports at all, um, then you'll know about this. But if not, I'll describe it to you. So you'll obviously know about the at least the uh, the the like what it is. But they're in sports, there's something called halftime. And so I played football. And so just real quick in football, uh, there's a lot of different positions in football. There's offense and defense. And then even it breaks down further on offense. You have linemen and quarterback, running back, receiver, all the things. And then so at halftime, what we would do is we would go in the locker room, right? And then the coach would address us as a team. And then we would break out into our positions. And so I would play middle linebacker. And so we'd go. And then we would talk with a linebacker coach who had been watching. He had notes for every one of us. And then we would all take it and then apply it. The coach would address us as a team. And so really, that we just want to take some time because your life and your purpose is obviously vastly – what do you got? What do you got? You want well, to ask me? No, I was just – I didn't play sports, but I did theater. And you have intermission. <laughs> you, we do. We do. <laughs> Your intermission. Is there is there something similar to well, what yeah, I'm describing? Well, yeah, you get notes. You get notes. You come off. They give you notes, and then I'm sure you touch like the up same your makeup thing. and you go back out. Does anybody yell at you? 
no one yells at you. It doesn't count if nobody <laughs> yells at you. Um, but again, same thing. Maybe that brings it more real for, for people where there's not all of us are incredible athletes. There's time okay? well, by no means. So, but, so, but there's time where you get this feedback, where you have this, 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 um, really a recalibration, right? Where you can go and, and re-engage back into whatever you're doing, whether it is a play, whether it is football, whatever it might be. But obviously people's purpose um, of winning their world is vastly more important than a play, than a sport, anything like that. And so this is a time of year uh, where even the the staff at Faith Promise, but Rach and I, where we are stopping and reviewing our growth plan. Now, um, and we can put a link to it, I'm sure, in, in the notes uh, on uh, like our podcast around growth plans to help you make one if you never made one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I'm telling you, if you don't have a growth plan, I, I, I can't I can't encourage you enough to have a growth plan. Uh, but we're halfway through the year. And so what I want to encourage you to do, and even if you pause it and do it right now, or I would just or or go through this podcast uh, with what you're doing now and do this in your quiet time next little bit. Uh, but look at your growth plan. And first thing I want you to do is I want you to pick three things to celebrate um, and three things that, that have to improve. Um, and I use that language really intentionally, not um, not that you hope they improve, but that they have to improve. Uh, just to give yourself, put yourself in the mindset that, hey, these things, I don't have a choice, but I have to move them forward. And so uh, just for me personally, as we as we did it as uh, a staff at Faith Promise, as I did it in preparation for that, uh, I just wanted to be vulnerable, transparent. Um, there's three things for me to celebrate, three things for me to improve. And babe, if you want to, if you want to lay any out for you, totally fine. But three things <clears throat> that I wanted to celebrate uh, that we're going well for my growth plan is I am sharing my faith uh, more right now than I have in the last couple of years. I'm, I'm getting it in at least once a month, um, if not more. Uh, something else is my outlook on myself. Um, and that, that hap- that's happening through uh, these declarations that I've written uh, that I'm, I'm saying every day over myself in, in my quiet time, scripturally based and not, um, you know, lie based or whatever else. Uh, and then I'm doing better in my fitness and nutrition consistently than I ever have. And so those are three things to celebrate that are on my growth plan, uh, but then things to improve, things that I'm not doing as well as I wish I were. I had a fasting goal um, that I've, I've kind of let fall off. Uh, growing intentionally with Rachel, we started off super strong in January um, and uh, with some things that we want to do together. And I have, we, I, I've let that kind of fall off as we've gotten busy. And then a super practical one that was, uh, that was on uh, both of our growth plans, but specifically for me, would, would have been budgeting. And so uh, just making, you know, we're building a house. We, we have a lot of stuff going on. And so, but making sure that, hey, we've, we've built this budget, we stick to it, we review it, things like that. That's been our growth plan the last little bit. We, we had, I haven't gotten to oh, the that budgeting? so yeah oh budgeting is the worst <laughs> it is the worst i would love to be irresponsible and just <sighs> see what happens i just feel like that i feel like there's just something to that like budgeting budgeting is like the like the antithesis of accountability and like i think the, the gro- ant- gro- no it is um it's the it is the same as accountability right what i say antithesis opposite oops Quintessential there you go. accountability. <laughs> Words are hard. 
Um, what about you, babe? When, whenever you look at your, uh, when you look at your growth plan. Um, so I had three things to celebrate, three things to work on. I'll do um, my, what I had to work on. So one of the things that I wanted to do was increase how often I journaled from two to five. And I haven't seen, I haven't done that. And so I actually, to make a shift, I bought um, there it, one of the things that I struggle with is wanting to do everything at once. So when I implement a tool, it has to be something that helps me, uh, walk with realistic expectations. And so there was a, a journal that I bought that's a six month prayer journal, but you fill out at the beginning of the month, the things you're going to pray over. And then you only pray through, um, one or two sections a day. That's it. So the goal is not, and you only have one page, you know, it's like, what, like a, you know, seven inch page, you only have one page to fill out. That's it. So the goal is to increase consistency in prayer. And there's 29 pages. So there's not even 30 or 31. They say, hey, if you get to the end and you did pray every single day, take that one day to fill out what you're going to pray over, the things you're going to focus on for the next month. So it helps create some structure for me. So I'm pretty pumped about that. And I used it, we were on vacation and I used it on vacation and I found it to be really helpful. Um, and I had coupled that with reading, um, Tyler's something, something's book, uh, pray like monks live like fools mm -hmm. or vice versa. But anyway, so I'm pretty, uh, so I've structured the way I pray around that content, but being able to use the journal, I think it's going to change some things for me. Uh, budgeting was on my list. Boo. Um, and I have not done a good job with my fitness. I'm supposed mm. to be working out. Yeah. And I'm not doing yeah. it. Mm. And I don't really feel inspired mm. Do you not? <laughs> to change that. <laughs> I'm going to um, because we we read something and it was a study about children who are active in their daily lives are active based on the level of their mother, mm. not their father. Mm. And so moms have a heavy influence on the well, like a drastically more influence over the wellness of their children. You feel how supportive I'm being right now. How believing I if am. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the condemnation. That on is face. that is not true. Anyway. Um, I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a great place for marriage problems, I don't think. Oh. Anyway. Continue. So those are my three things I wanted to work on. But I'm seeing, uh, I've, uh, I'm pretty excited. I have read more of the Bible this year it, up on like, usually I get to the end and then I'm like doing the shred. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're like me and you have to read the whole Bible in like 30 What the days. shred means is that Rachel hasn't kept up with her Bible reading plan and she's trying to do it all in December is what that means. And also it means- And I get pretty stinking that far. she puts the Bible uh, reading plan on probably like, you know, seven times are you, speed. Oh, are you judging no, the way that I am when, taking in the word of God? No, ma'am. It sounds like tongues is what it sounds like. And there's no way she understands it. Of course, I understand um, that. I talk fast. But uh, yeah, I was, just, I was just hoping to understand what the shred was. I the shred is a plan. You can get it on um, the YouVersion app. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm not sure. It's, it's really it's, great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is awesome. Anyway, it's very good for getting the overarching plot of what's going on. And real fast. Real fast. Yeah. Um, and then, so I'm doing great on my Bible reading plan, as as I would consider it. And then uh, it's growth <laughs> for me. <laughs> and then uh, we're in the process of building our home. And so keeping up with that and man I'm managing all of that uh, for our family. And that was on my, um, on the future section of my 
uh, growth plan. And I feel like I'm making a lot of headway, a lot of success crushing in there. It, crushing and it. And then homeschooling. So we made a big shift. We made a decision the end of the year last year, beginning of this year on um, making the transition for our kids from public school to homeschool to have some more flexibility in our schedule. We don't really live a nine to five life. And so we have to make some shifts so that we can make the things that are important to us a priority. And one of the things that we had to do was have freedom with our schedule. So we've transitioned to homeschooling and so made a lot of headway on that. We chose a co-op. We purchased um, the curriculum and um, everybody's ready for the most part. So now the countdown's on. Yeah. So we just want to take a minute and just tell you that we're doing this too. We are, we're looking at, um, you know, we're just taking half time to look and see, hey, what what do we need to do better at? And not, not because we... Uh, as Rachel so judgmentally said about me, uh, but uh, but this is not about condemnation or about anything like that. This is about um, these are the things that at the beginning of the year you set out and said, hey, this would really impact my walk with God, whether it's from an intimacy perspective or from a productivity perspective. And so we just want to encourage you to take some time and and honestly, if if I just had to say one thing about it, um, it I, I would just say. I, we we really do. We believe in you, and we know that mm-hmm. God has a purpose for your life. If you would look at the growth plan more frequently, you would accomplish so much more. There's a guy named Ed Milet um, who's got a book called The Power One More, super super good. But there was a study done on the more frequently somebody reviews their goals, the more productive they are. Mm-hmm. And so this this was in like a uh, just a business setting. So yeah, people that review them annually. Uh, quarterly, monthly, weekly, and then there's people who view them daily. And I think that, that that was really big for me whenever I was, I wouldn't review my whole growth plan every day, but at least my declarations part. Um, and it's just this reset, this reset, like where we feel so inspired in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not that's not due to something special about that week. That's due to something special about our belief um, yeah. in anticipation. And so I, I, if I just gave you one takeaway from it, it was, hey, if, if God... If, if you have been faithful to create a growth plan, the more frequently you'll look at it, uh, the more, uh, I, I just say, the more productive you'll be in it. Well, and uh, as somebody who struggles with perfection, uh, I think it's Brene Brown but um, that says, if you are a perfectionist, then shame is always writing um, in the passenger seat, on the passenger seat. And so one of the things I make the joke and say, oh, I feel like you're judging me, but really it's shame that I feel when I go back and look and I haven't made the progress that I think I should have made. And so don't should all over yourself. Just Mm. take a minute and um, don't let perfectionism be what is coloring your view. But hey, my goal is is to take, I know, did you like that? I I love that. (laughs) Don't should all over yourself. Should is a prison Well, the best part is I I feel like like now I can say, don't you should on me. Don't (laughs) you should on me. I don't know that I enunciate. That's going to get you in trouble. I don't feel like I enunciate well enough to say it. Don't you should on me, Rachel. Don't drop the L. Anyway, um, so just remember when you're reviewing this, not to be, not to allow shame, um, the spirit of shame to uh, dictate your thoughts, but you put on the helmet of salvation and when you review your your plan, really just receive like, hey, what Holy Spirit do you want me to spend time on and invest in the Holy Spirit so gracious and kind? He'll help you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. 
halftime over, ready, break, go out and do it. And so, hey, let's let's jump into this. Really, what our podcast for today, really the meat of it, um, uh, it which is the second five or the last five things that God does when we pray. So two weeks ago, uh, we talked about the first five things. So when we pray, God works, He hears, He heals, He answers, and He forgives. Massive, massive, scriptural, all those. And so we're going to jump into these these second five things. And man, I was I was just looking and praying about this morning. And if we could just believe these things, it would be a game changer. And so uh, the first one we're going to talk about, number six on the list, is when we pray, God protects. And so, babe, what do you think about that? Whenever you, because we pray, um, but whenever we say that when we pray, God protects, what do you think about that? Well, I think we apply the word protection simply physically. And I think like God does protect people and, and he is sovereign. We can wrestle with all those things. But um, when we're talking about protection, it's protection from hell it's from the enemy and so when you when you pray it protects your heart and your mind your posture shifts when you're talking because prayer is not again talking at god it's it, it's a conversation it's intimacy mm-hmm. it's it's simply sitting together and being together so when you're in the presence of god um there are some things that no longer have authority yeah. over you and you get to walk in a in a particular freedom so the john 17:15 says my prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one so prayer you know and Jesus actually prays this over their disciples that that they would be protected, not from physical harm, which we do pray for people to be protected from physical harm. But Jesus' concern was not with the natural. It was with the supernatural and that it was more important. It was even more real than the physical experience they were having. Yeah. I I, I love this one so much, but I, I do think that a lot of these uh, they should be a bit of a wake up call for if we believe it. So, like, what I would ask, I mean, maybe that maybe that's a question we should have paired with all of them is, do you believe it? So, like, um, when we pray, God protects. Well, I feel like we rely much more on ourselves for protection than on God. And so, like in Ephesians six, he says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but yeah. against rulers, principalities. And so, uh, let me make it really real. The other day, uh, Rachel and I were driving home from vacation, and we stopped at uh, we stopped at the Watt Road uh, to let, uh, to take JL and River to the bathroom, and JL goes in the girls' bathroom by herself. Me and River go in the boys' bathroom, and I'm telling River, "Hurry, hurry, hurry! Let's go, let's go, let's go!" I, I don't want JL to sit out there by herself in the gas station. And so um, we actually come out, and then uh, Rachel's done more work and supportive of human trafficking and stuff like that. So I I just ask, isn't this like? Kind of like where where we live in Knoxville and like from Watt Road to Bristol, that's like the like a human trafficking highway just because of how the uh, how the interstates intersect. And uh, Rachel told me a story um, about uh, just a video she had seen where uh, a mom took her two daughters in. Just short short part, short, telling the story really short. Um, one of the daughters was still in the stall, took a little too long, so the mom goes back in there to check on her. Um, and calls her name, hears a little bit of a muffled mm-hmm. voice, and gets in that stall. And there were people. There was someone in there with her daughter. They'd already shaved her head and yeah. changed her shirt. And it's bothered me ever since I heard it. And um, 
And why would I tell you that? Well, first of all, it ruined my day and it's still messing me up a little bit. But if we believe, and we do, that eternity is what matters most, then do, do, we, do we really pray with that sort of passion about it? And so like, and, and this isn't perfect, so please don't, if, 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 if this is like a, a bend for you, please don't crucify me over it. But I, a, lot of, a lot of men are, are geared for protection and a lot of women are geared for nurturing. But do we ever, do we ever grab a hold of those God-given desires in the prayer of protection? And so like whenever I pray for my family, then I put the helmet of I put the helmet of salvation on their head and the breastplate of righteousness and the and the feet of the peace of the gospel and the sword of the spirit. And I'm praying these things like I like I I feel like I'm like I'm like getting like my heart gets elevated thinking about it. Um and so, but so I, either way, like this one's just is super passionate for me. Uh, but I think it's a good wake up call for where do we really place our value? Um, like if 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 our princip- if if our enemy is really against principalities and darkness, and so let, let's make that really tangible: uh, depression, anxiety, uh, lust, greed, anger, fear, doubt, insecurity. Like if that's if that's what we're warned against, like when do you ever go to war for your spouse? When do you ever? And Rachel knows whenever I'll do it because she usually gets a text right after about whatever I feel like is attacking Rachel. Um, and so same thing for my kids. And then we heard Jimmy, and we'll move on. But I love Jimmy Rollins. My dad always prays. Uh, he says a hedge of protection, and I, he's prayed that since since I can remember. Jimmy Rollins uh, said he prays a bloodline. I get the goosey just thinking about it. Praise a bloodline around his family, the power of the blood of Jesus around his family. Um, and so even I, I want my kids to see the gospel, even in how I pray for them, not in just my consistency of it, but my belief in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so more than I believe in their financial future, their physical, relational, uh, any future they have, I believe in their spiritual future. And so with that being the case, obviously, when we pray, God protects is is a massive part of it. So we also, when we pray, victory awaits. And I always get excited about this because we sometimes forget. In, and in this season, it's like there's a lot of change happening. There's a lot of pressure. Um, and for us personally, our kids are small. We're building a home. Zach's job is changing. Um, we have our own family things that we wrestle through. Our kids are changing schools. There's so much. It feels like, especially for me, I can feel like a failure when things aren't going exactly the way that I want them to go. And then spiritually, if I'm not making the headway or if I'm not as consistent as I wanted to be, I just am like, man, the enemy will come in and just say, you are a failure mm-hmm. and try and label me with that. And I love that when we pray, Matthew 26, 41 says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That when I pull myself out of the natural and into just the presence of God, that I get to experience victory. My spirit, it it gets back in the driver's seat. My soul and my body, they go back in second and third place. And my spirit, the Holy Spirit I'm filled with gets to lead me, my feelings, my thoughts. And so you can't expect to be victorious over temptation, over sin, over fear, over failure, unless you're 
praying and you need that time with God. And there is power in, again, reading, um, you know, affirmations and memorizing scripture. There is power in that. But if we don't spend time and it's just, we just forget prayer is a conversation with God. And if we aren't postured to hear from our father who knows everything, the truth about us, the truth about the situation you're in. I loved this. We were, I was listening to, um, he's a preacher in Chattanooga, Redemption to the Nations. And he said, there are situations that you're looking for um, insight into that God will not give you unless you pray because you're asking for him. You're asking to do something outside of him and away from him. So just the intimacy. And so we just want to know, like, we can be confident. The word says you're more than a conqueror. And it's because when you spend time with God, you receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. You move from a battle um, in the flesh to the spirit. And when we, just like you just said, you know, just a second ago, you were talking about, you know, when you put on the armor of God, mm-hmm. it is not a natural armor. It's a supernatural armor. And that's where we get to have victory because yeah. of who, whose we are. Yeah. And that thought of, of, um, of we are, we are victors that comes from Romans eight and just something else, just to tag on this before I go to the next one, you know, when we pray victory awaits. So like our, our God doesn't lose. And so, like in Romans eight twenty eight, actually staying in Romans eight, um, you know, says that God doesn't waste any pain. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and in in John fifteen, it, it talks about like the the vine that doesn't produce fruit, God cuts off, and the vine that does produce fruit, fruit God prunes. And so, like God, like God is always working, no matter what. God is going to be victorious, and when we pray, it shifts our mindset from seeing what we want to see, the world wants us to see to what God wants us to see, and we can shift into having the faith to know that victory, again, victory awaits, victory is coming. Um, but if if we don't pray, then we can get our victories mixed up um, and focus more on the victories of the world than on on the victories of, uh, of, of what God has for us. And so... Would you say that God, when you pray, when and victory awaits, would you say that God reframes or redefines what victory is for you? For me? Uh-huh. It's like yeah. when you pray, because sometimes you think like, well, victory in this situation would be this. But then I spend time with God and um, he, he'll tell me, well, that's not my concern. Yeah. You know what you're concerned about. Yeah. Well, just a specific one. There's some areas of the church that aren't growing right now and it just bothers me and it doesn't feel like I, we are winning. And so, like that, that just bo- that bothers me. And I want to, I, I want to win and, and not, not just, for the selfish reasons, but also what we're trying to do matters in eternity. And so one that kind of stuff. So even this morning when I was praying, I sent this out to, to some of our leaders on, on staff when I was begging God for a breakthrough in these areas that we want to see victory. And I really do feel like God spoke to me and said, for a breakthrough, something has to break down. So for a breakthrough to happen, something has to break down. And so God asked, I really feel like God asked me, what will break down first? your resolve to see the kingdom come or the opposition you're facing from the world, from the demonic. Mm-hmm. And so I, all, all victory was today was to confidently tell him, we won't break down. We won't quit. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll fall, we'll bend, we'll mess up, we'll say something we shouldn't say, but we won't quit. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, he gets to reframe the victory. Um, but yeah, I, I, I totally think that. So when we pray, Victory awaits. Uh, the next thing that happens when we pray, um, and this this is this is I think for us 
This is a massive one. And so we need to make sure that when, after we talk about this a little bit, that we talk about how we do it for others, not just for ourselves. But yeah. uh, when you pray, anxiety subsides. So let me say it again. When you pray, anxiety subsides. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so just, just to make this really practical, I think that all of us have either certain friends or certain situations uh, that really uh, bend our thinking. And so if, if we're honest, you probably have uh, somebody you talk to um, that whenever you talk to them afterwards, you just feel drained or afterwards you feel really excited or uh, just to be totally candid. I know some people that whenever after they talk to like their this is not us because um, our moms are watching. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I know some people after they talk to their mom, they feel super defeated. Uh, and I, I'm sure their mom is probably trying to help, but it's not it's not right. And so we all have people like that in our life. And so but my question is, do you pray enough do you are you intentional enough not just to pray but to listen to hear to use god's word to be impacted by the conversation with god again the um, prayer is a conversation with god well and um i think that it's important we there's um, a study done and i can we can uh attach the article but it's from the national library of medicine and they looked at baylor's um, religion survey from 21 and they went through the data and looked at the um, different subtypes of prayer because there's different types of prayer right and so you have prayer the belief that prayer will solve your personal world problems devotional prayer which is the praise of god and prayer for the well-being of others prayer for support like hey god i need better health or financial aid prayer expectancies like hey i'm praying and i'm believing that god's going to answer this prayer but it is what um correlates with a lower anxiety people who pray regularly actually pray devotional prayers they praise god and they pray for the well-being of others and so it's really interesting that when you pray, anxiety lowers because when we pray, the the posture of prayer is, you know, I love the layout of Acts, A-C-T-S, adoration. And so you start your prayer time out acknowledging that God is who he says he is and you praise God. And then you're confessing your sin and offering thanksgiving and gratitude. All of a sudden, when you get to a place of supplication, when you're praying for others, your mindset is very different than if you just go in and say, hey God, I need this from you. That devotional prayer, prayer the way that Jesus taught us to pray actually is associated with lower anxiety. And anxiety is, what to make sure we define that, is a fear of the future, of what is to come. And I I just wonder how often do we pray that way? Mm-hmm. So when we talk about doing that, like how do we help others, like hey, doing this for ourselves and others, is really prayer is time with God. It's yeah. changing the way we think about prayer, about just being this time where we talk to God, and this is when we talk with God. Yeah. And so if Jesus was standing right next to you, I don't think you would just launch into your list of requests. Mm-hmm. Um, when we see people who come face to face with Jesus and are aware of his glory and his magnitude, they fall on their face and they they worship him. Right. So I just think it's I just I, you know, like studies show when we praise God. It is. It changes the way you feel, right? And you think, yeah. And so, if if anxiety 
if if you which I know anxiety is complicated and I, and I do believe some people need medication for it, all that kind of stuff but if anxiety is caused by things that are out of your control whether they be a mm-hmm. circumstance or a feeling whatever it might be bringing them to the one who is in control right is would obviously be the place to bring anxiety but again I think just asking some of these questions to see where we really are what is our first first response whenever we feel anxiety whenever we feel it um is there a place that we go to is there just to if i can just put you on blast a little bit but is there a scripture that you can grab onto whenever you say gosh i feel anxious so for me it's first peter 5 7 it says um i cast my cares on you because you love me and so mm-hmm. like and, and i there's there's pages on pages on pages in my journal where i list out the things that are making me anxious. I list mm-hmm. out the things that are making me feel a certain way that's different than what God has for me. And if I could just tell you, it is not God's plan for you to be anxious. Um, and everybody's different, uh, but you cannot find in Scripture where it says it's okay to be anxious or timid. Um, uh, what is it? Is I think it's I think it's Second Timothy one seven. Uh, you are not given a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and sound mind. Mm-hmm. And so, like when we pray, we get to be, we get to step more into who God's made us to be. And so, when we pray, anxiety subsides. And again, I think the reason that praise impacts that is because you are you are forcing yourself into a place where you are saying about God who He actually is. Mm-hmm. And whenever you say that He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the the Creator, that He's the Savior, that He's God, um, it starts to make, whether it be a bill or a sickness or a hurt, uh, start to subside in the shadow of who He is. Well, so. and I can trust. I, I get to choose. I mean, having I wrestled really, I mean, a lot with anxiety. And um, one of the things that was really helpful was when I sat down with my counselor was, drilling down to what was like the what was the bottom of what what lie did I believe mm-hmm. that allowed anxiety such access to my life. And so when you pray, you can ask God to show you, hey, what is it that I believe that's giving fear such access to my life? And for me, it was I I didn't I believed that I had to be perfect because if I wasn't, then I was a failure. But then that would mean that I was God if -hmm. I was perfect. And so being able to wrestle down and say, I've not been, that's my verse that I go to when I'm feeling it, um, feeling anxious. It's like, as I've been given a sound mind, I have a song that I sing. And then, but going back to the truth that God is. So when I pray, God, you're the one that's perfect. And you're the one who holds all things together. And my job is to, is to follow you. My job is not to bring all of heaven to earth. My job is just to obey you today. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, this this next one, uh, it really kind of doubles up on that. When you pray, trouble fades. When you pray, <clears throat> trouble fades. And so really just to take that anxiety thought and apply it to more, James 5.13 says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. And so actually a little bit later in James 5, it, which is one of my prayer go-tos, especially when I'm feeling insecure about myself and about prayer and things like that, which I, I do feel that way. Um, even all the time I have in it, right? Mm-hmm. I still feel that way. 
but in James 5, 13, if any, uh, is anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. A little later, it says, a prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so again, like coming back to whenever, and w- with our world right now, First of all, there's so many distractions where you get to, you know, kind of disassociate, whether it's social media or TV or whatever it might be. But then there's also so many uh, self-help or, um, mm. you know, not not just self-help. I don't know what you would call it, where you can go to other people for help, whether it's on TikTok or YouTube or whatever, with with a feeling, with a budgeting issue, whatever it might be. So when you pray, trouble phase. But just the question to ask yourself um, on where your faith is, like whenever you face troubles, you know, where are you going with it? Again, like we, we have, we do have wisdom. Like we, we need to seek out counsel and things like that. Um, but I feel like we have over leveraged that, um, in a lack of believing them, whether that we need God to be our provider or we need him to be our source or we need him to be our comforter, whatever it might be. And we don't throw ourselves into, uh, that when we pray, that troubles will fade because he can handle whatever trouble that we're we're in. Well, isn't there a saying that there's no atheists in a foxhole? Mm-hmm, that is a saying. I'm and, waiting, yeah. and so that's why, like, when um, that saying exists, because with there's a bomb coming at you and you're like literally about to die, people cry out. There's nobody yeah. <laughs> that just sits there like, well, if there's nothing to do. People, the inclination is to cry out in prayer. And I think sometimes as we are more affluent or just like you said, as we have more resources and more knowledge, we lean on and we cry. When we come to a place where we are desperate, um, hopefully God doesn't have to bring you to a place where where you can't lean on anything else for you to turn your head. Back to him. Yeah, and there's a guy that we like, um, Chris Valton, who is uh, at Bethel in Redding, California. Uh, they have a school, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, which sounds like Hogwarts to me. Uh, I do. I, I love them a lot. But something that he says is put, when it comes to prayers, is push. Pray until something happens. And so just because you pray one time and the, the trouble doesn't fade, you know, actually whenever Jesus talks, oh, man, I'm, I'm spacing on where it is. Whenever Jesus actually talks about prayer and he likens it to um, a neighbor because they're shameless audacity. Um, he uses the yes. parable that they'll help him. But in that same one talks about, uh, I think it's a nagging widow who won't leave the judge alone. And so whenever Jesus talks about prayer, he talks about this consistent uh, coming to him. But I just wanted to encourage us with, uh, when if, if we pray about something um, and it doesn't, and, and something doesn't happen right away. That doesn't mean that God's not done. Remember what we said earlier that when we pray, victory awaits, but God's timing is not our timing. His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And honestly, I know for me, I surrender this all the time. I've, I'll pray for God to move and do something. But if, like what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, but even if, and so I'll tell God, hey, even if you don't want to solve this now or ever, I, st- I believe that what you are doing is better than I want you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but again, that, that that goes back to bringing it bringing it to him. But when we pray, troubles fade. Um, yeah, and you can find that in Luke 18, if you're looking at that story 18. of there the widow. And go. so the, the last thing we're going to talk about is that when you pray, lives change. And um, you know, Luke 18, 1 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them 
that they should always pray and not give up, which is just I like just looked what, a little further. What Zach was notes. talking huh. about. Um, and but I always like to go back and look at when Abraham and God are talking in Genesis um, 18, and God tells Abraham he's going to destroy. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Abraham knows he has family in that city. And so he begins to plead for the city. And God says, well, if I, okay, so if we find some, you know, they go through these numbers and they negotiate a little bit. And eventually God still has to destroy Sodom and and because they couldn't even find enough righteous men, you know, he gets down to 50 righteous men and, you know, 20 and, and uh, it's just Lot and his family. And even then um, there were some things going on. And it was interesting to watch God's heart in and Abraham, like they were having a conversation. So God is is sovereign and he and he's going to do whatever's going to bring him glory like that is we don't have to be concerned about that and because he's perfect and holy we don't have to be concerned about the judgments that he makes but we can uh, seek God's heart seek after him and we watch I just you see this kind of conversation in the Old Testament and then you watch how Jesus pursues after people in the New Testament uh hey when it comes to a prayer over people coming to be in relationship with God and knowing his goodness. God's heart is soft toward his people. Yeah. He loves people and he it is his desire that none would perish and be far from him. And so I just, when we pray, people's lives change. And so I just, you know, we tend to get, and I love the way this was said and um, that Tyler said this in, um, pray like monks and live like fools. He said, praying for the lost in particular is laborious work. And he likened it to um, being pregnant and giving birth, the prayer for someone else. Mm -hmm. And that it is, it is long. You don't, you know, it's a very long time before you see result, if you see result, right? And he was just talking about how painful it is. Like when he watched his wife give birth and he was like, she didn't have medicine. And he was watching how painful it was and how many hours it took and how much focus she had to give to birthing their child. And that is the type of prayer that changes lives. It's long and it takes time and it requires attention and focus. And it can be painful to continue to seek after and watch, you know, hey, I'm watching this person be far from God and my heart is desperate that they would know him. So we can trust God and and who who he chooses to spare and the Holy Spirit is who saves people and we but we have to make a choice to respond to when the Holy Spirit draws us to him, right? Yeah. So just praying, I just want us to remember like this type of prayer is not in our microwave society where everything is instant. We were mad in the car the other day because the internet wasn't loading fast enough. <laughs> it's like and it's not even dial up, right? It's just like you're on 5G and not, you know, the LTE network or whatever. And we forget that that prayer requires labor. Yeah. And I just, again, just to keep going back to this around what, what do we really believe? What, where is our faith really at in this? And so if we believe that really the Holy Spirit is one that draws people into a relationship, if we really believe that God is the one that creates lasting change and transformation, do we spend more time like looking up and thinking about arguments or having fake arguments with people in our head? Or do we spend 
more time praying that God would move in their life. And I get that this is hard. Um, I, I have a I have a list of people who are far from God that I pray for every day, and sometimes I just feel like I'm just talking um, because it's been so long. Uh, but just and really, this is a good way to wrap up. I believe all of this, but in Second Peter three nine, it says that God is not slow as some understand slowness, but is is His desire that none would perish without repentance. Mm-hmm. And some of this is a strange dichotomy that is above us. It just doesn't make sense to us because. If you know what predestination is, that's where people believe that, you know, God has picked the people before, you know, the creation of the world, who will be saved and who won't. Uh, but again, you have a verse like that in 2 Peter 3, 9, that says it's God's desire that none would perish without repentance. Um, and the reason I bring it up is not to get into that debate, but to bring it even back to what Abraham said when Abraham was beseeching God. Well, God, what if you find 50 righteous people all the way down to 10? I believe it was. And so uh, for us, like, do we really believe that what changes people is, is God's presence and God moving? And, and this is something I'm really asking God, uh, not just for me, but for uh, our church, Faith Promise, for the people in our lives. When I see a lot of people, what, what we call um, like power evangelism uh, at Faith Promise, where God gives you a word or a dream for somebody. Like this morning I was reading in Reinhard Bonnke, this, this biography I'm reading, uh, God gave him this crazy dream, and then he, God told him to write his brother, whose brother wasn't a believer, all this stuff, told him to write the dream down and send it to his brother. His brother had had that ex- exact same dream, and his brother told his brother told God, God, if you're real, then send me a sign that this that you're working through this. And so I believe I know that God's moving, but what He has chosen as His conduit to bring the kingdom, which is people. Are we doing it? Um, not only are we are we talking to God about people before we talk to people about people, but are we being obedient in what God tells us to do when we pray for Him, as we pray for Him? I just believe there's so much more for us in prayer, and maybe I'm just wishful thinking about and for myself. I just know, I just know that there's more. I know there's more intimacy. I know there's more clarity, and I know there's more discernment, wisdom, understanding, uh, power. Uh, and so I just pray that we'll we'll dive into it. Um, and there, there's there's lives that need to be changed uh, in all of our lives, and not not just in the people we know, but people that we're walking by all the time. And then are we living in a in a thoughtfulness of prayer, even when we don't have our journal in front of us, where God could tell us, "Hey, go talk, go talk to that person. Hey, go tell that person this. Go tell that person that." And so whenever whenever we pray, lives change. And so, hey, we're our time for the day. Uh, but we really do. I do pray that you would that you have written these down um, and would you just do the hard work of wrestling with the Lord would you do the hard work of asking God do I really believe this um, and then and then again press in talk to talk to a, uh, your your group about it talk talk to a friend or a pastor about it and press in if if talking with if time with God which is what prayer is time with God talk with God if that's going to make us more like him uh, which there's not much that makes us more like somebody than communicating with somebody, um, then prayer, I believe, is so much more important, so much more powerful uh, than, than we give it credit Absolutely. for. And so I want more. I know, Rach, we, we want more, uh, not just for us, but for you. And so we know that your purpose is to win your world. And so go out this world, uh, go out this world, go out this week and win your world. And we'll see you next week.